welcome. So glad you're joining us today. Some of you may, uh, this may be your first time to uh, watch Central Online, and we're so glad that you've joined us. Uh, this is a special day that the Lord has given us uh, uh, for sure. You know, we're in the middle of a series, or we're kind of wrapping up a series called On the Brink, and it literally means you've come to the end, and one more step could be in danger if God doesn't come through. And and we've looked at finances, we've looked at different things, our health, and, and how we don't live with margin. But sometimes God pushes us beyond the brink. And uh, I was thinking about uh, something this week. Uh, when my kids were little... Uh, we would go to the mall or go someplace, and, and maybe it was just me with them. I don't know if Pam was there or not, but I remember the kids, uh, you know how kids are. They would kind of scamper on ahead, and you'd say, hey, stay close to me, and, and uh, stay close to me, and, and they needed to stay close. But they would be kids, and they'd kind of go off and do their thing. So what I would do, uh, I don't know if this is good parenting or not, I would hide from them, I would still be able to see them in case any danger was coming. But I would hide myself so that they all of a sudden would have that panicky feeling as they look back. Hey, I don't see Dad. Where has Dad gone all of a sudden? All along, I could see them. But I wanted them to experience a little bit about how they needed to focus on what I was telling them because their safety was about being with me. And there's something about that isolated feeling you feel when you can't see dad in a kid's mind. Some of you may remember that as being a kid. And I thought about on the brink with isolation a little bit. And what we're going through right now is, is a huge deal. Um, isolation, when you're isolated, you lose hope. You become fearful. You become discouraged. And these things set in if you're isolated and you don't have anybody else to be with. And so as we're going to step into this uh, a little bit today, I'm going to be sharing with you out of 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8, beginning with verse 8. And then this is going to lead us into taking the Lord's Supper together this morning. So hopefully you've got your elements, your juice or your cracker, whatever you're using uh, there. But at 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8, it's out of the Old Testament. And so often in the Old Testament, God is teaching us things about His character and that are always true. We just have a tendency sometimes to not see them. So in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse beginning with verse 8, and I'll just give you some points that I want you to hang on to. Remember, we're talking about isolation and how we need to avoid that isolation and that God is always there. So we, we, we want to look at this. So I'm going to read a little bit, and we're just going to kind of get the story. And it says this, Now the king of Aram, this is in modern-day Syria is where it would be, was at war with Israel, and after conferring with his officers, the king said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. And the man of God, this is talking about Elisha the prophet, uh, the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. Now, I want you to see what's going on. The king of Aram, this king of Syria, is wanting to go and attack Israel. But every time he sets his plan in action to go get the Israelites, he, his, I guess what you would say about Elisha the prophet is he was CIA, man. He was Central Intelligence. 
He knew exactly what they were going to do. He warned the king of Israel. They would know they were coming and the Israelites would just uh, be able to take them down. And he says in verse 11, he says, Will you not tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? In in other words, is there a mole here that's telling uh, everybody what's going on? And uh, and but they know what's going on. It says none of us. Verse 12. My Lord, the king said one of the officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. So God was given Elisha, the prophet, these incredible download of what Aram was going to be doing. So we we see that uh, uh, this is the setup. Now, in verse 13, the king of Aram tells his people, he said, I want you to go and find out where Elisha is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. And the report came back. They knew exactly where he was. He is in Dothan, which is just north of Samaria. And uh, then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force, a raiding party, literally. And they went by night and they surrounded the city of Dothan. And this is where Elisha and his servant are are at. So verse 15, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots has surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? There's panic. The servant has panic. And Elisha says this, don't be afraid. The prophet answered, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, There's a couple of points I want to make here. Number one is this. Trouble does come to God's people. Uh, Sometimes people think, oh, I'm a follower of Jesus. I will never have hard times. Uh, Listen, that is not true. We live on a fallen planet. We have this earth suit, this flesh we have to live it out in. And sometimes tough times do come. Uh, we we see that uh, you know there some of you some some individuals right now followers of Jesus their job has been cut out some are developing the virus listen because you're a follower of Christ does not mean you're gonna you're not gonna go through hard times however I firmly believe this how we go through hard times as believers the world is looking at us to see how we are responding to this virus, to what's going on. How do we respond knowing the Lord? So point number one was trouble does come to God's people. But point number two is this. Oftentimes, we need Jesus in skin. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. We need Jesus in skin. It's sometimes a catchphrase we use around here because... There's a story of a little girl who couldn't sleep and she came to her father and, and, and said, Dad, I can't sleep. And so, you know, he being the parent he was said, go back there. Jesus is with you. And she comes back in a little bit and says, oh, I can't I can't sleep. And he says once again, listen, Jesus is there with you. And and she finally said, but dad, I need Jesus in skin. And sometimes we need to be Jesus in skin. Sometimes we need Jesus in skin. And the reason I look at that is that Elisha's prophet was panicking. He was panicked. He looked out there and he saw this raiding party all in the mountains. And what what Elisha said, the first thing he said to him was, hey, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. There's more with us than are against us. He gave him encouragement. He built him up. He, he cared for his servant's needs right at that time. Uh, sometimes we need somebody else to remind us that God cares. 
And we need to be that Jesus in skin to that person. And, you know, uh, accountability is huge. You know, right now we're calling everybody in the church just to make sure they're okay. Sometimes that voice is just a voice of encouragement. So oftentimes we need Jesus in skin. Now, let's go on with the rest of the story just a moment. Verse 17, and Elijah prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire. In other words, God pulled back the veil and allowed his servant to see uh, beyond what we can see with the earthly eye. So here's point number three. God is there even when you don't see him. And, uh, and so God had his angelic host all, all of a sudden there and the eyes of his servant are opened and all of a sudden he sees this. Now, what happens next is, uh, is really incredible because what happens is, is the army of the Arameans are coming down. Elisha prays that they would be blinded and the Lord blinds them just like he had prayed for his servant's eyes to be open. He prays for these uh, Syrian army, Armenian army to, uh, Aramean army to be blinded. They're blinded. And what happens the rest of the story is, is that, uh, Elijah does, Elisha doesn't kill them. He takes them into Samaria. He prays that God would now give them their sight back. They get their sight back. And the king there of the Israelites in Samaria, you would think, is going to think, oh, I'm going to destroy them. And Elisha said, don't destroy them. Don't destroy them. Uh, Listen, uh, verse 22. Would you kill men you have captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them. In other words, feed and care for your enemies here. And then what, this is what happened after they took care of the enemy. At the end of verse 23, it says, So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. Nobody died in this. God just uh, blinded them. He gave them their sight back. They cared for them. The raids stopped right there. Here's, here's the other two points that I want to make to you right quick. First of all is this. God is greater than any crisis you're going through. I mean, you look at this scenario. These uh, people from Aram were coming against uh, Elisha and his, pro- and his uh, servant. And listen, this was a huge crisis. I want you to know God is greater than. He is greater than anything that we are going through. He is greater than anything you are going through today. Uh, whether it's the virus, whether it is this loneliness that is there, whether it is... Uh, cancer, whatever you may be going through, God is greater than any crisis. But here's another point I want you to see. God is there even when you don't see Him. He is there. He's like me sometimes maybe hiding behind the pillar, watching my kids, knowing that I can protect them and take care of them the whole way. But He is wanting us to get our gaze and focus back on Him. You know, I'm not saying that God is blinded by anything that's going on. He is ultimately completely involved with what is happening. But, but what we do not see with our human eye, do not think that that is completely all that's going on. Because God is, He's there. He's there for everything that we're going through. So the last point I want to make is this. God will use crisis. For his purposes. Now, you're saying, where did you get that out of there? Listen, this, this army from Aram, um, 
the Israelites didn't want them raiding them anymore. And uh, Elisha went through this whole process, opened the eyes of my servant, he sees the army of the heavenly host, they prays for the blinding of the um, uh, army, they come into the city, they feed in the care for them, and the next thing that happens is so these bands quit their raiding parties. God has a way of even using the crisis we go through to fulfill His purposes. He's a sovereign God. I do not know and I do not recognize all the things He is doing right now, but I know He's actively at work. And we're seeing Him actively at work right now. Um, I thought about this this week, and this is going to take us into the Lord's Supper. What, what Elisha prayed for his servant was, Lord, pull back the veil so that he may see beyond what we see with our earthly eye. And so he pulled back the veil of heaven all of a sudden, and there was God's army, chariots of fire, the heavenly host, everything was there. And, and God did that, hear me, to take care of a temporary problem. I want you to know this wasn't the last time the veil was pulled back. You remember when Jesus was born, the night he was born, that there were some shepherds out in a field. And what the Lord did was, is he pulled back the veil one more time. And I want you to know, it was the same heavenly host, chariots of fire, prepared to do battle that same night as when Jesus was born, as the heavenly host that was there when the servant of Elisha saw him. So what God did is he used his heavenly host as the veil got pulled back for a, a, a temporary healing or a temporary condition. But let me tell you, on the night Jesus was born, he unveiled his heavenly host for an eternal situation that we were going through. And I really believe that someday you and I will see the veil pulled back and we're going to see things that we just have never imagined before. And here's the, here's the deal, and where I really feel led to share this today, is because God is with us. He is with us. And one of the incredible ways He has given us to experience that is through the Lord's Supper. And uh, this is the way that we remember what He has done. So hopefully you you were able to go find your elements if you did not get by here and get one of the little cups and, and these kind of things. I just kind of figured up my own here. I got a Dixie cup with my juice in it and I've got uh, uh, cracker bread here and and, uh, and these uh, are the elements that we're going to use here and, and uh, I just encourage you to to get yours. But let me, let me try to walk you through some things, especially this is a huge teaching time for your family as we look at this. Remember when you take the bread, whatever bread you have, the Lord Jesus said on the night He was betrayed, He said, this is my body which is broken for you. You see, He was about to go and be nailed to a cross and to give His life as a ransom for all of us. And what He did was, He, he was saying to His disciples, listen, when this body is broken... This is what the bread is symbolic of. And so, wherever you are with your family, as you watch this, when, when you take the bread in just a moment, you break it. 
and you say, Lord, thank you for the breaking of your bread, or the breaking of your body for us. And it said the Lord gave thanks for the bread. So I just want to pause and pray just for a moment. Father, we are grateful that you gave your body on a cross for us. You took all the sins of mankind and you said the wage of our sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we come today saying thank you, Jesus, that you took our sins and you brought forgiveness to us on that cross. And thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. And then the cup, the juice in the cup is a is a picture of the blood of Jesus that was spilt for us on that cross. Um, the writer in Hebrews said, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. You see, in the Jewish background, they had sacrifices of sheep and bulls and oxen and, and everything. But Jesus came to give his life as a ransom for all of us. And so, as you step into this time as your family... Remember the body of Jesus and remember the blood that was shed for you. And we're going to give you just a moment to take this together. If you have one of the disposable ones, on the top is the bread and underneath is the cup with the juice. But maybe you're just like me. You're doing this today. But I just pray that over these next few moments, you will have this time. And then I will come back and and pray with you. You know, for some of you today, this may be completely new. I mean, the the thing you're watching us do, the Lord's Supper, the bread and the, and the juice, and you're thinking, man, is this some kind of weird situation? I, I just want you to understand what we believe. Um, we believe that God created everything, and He created man in a right relationship with Him. However, what happened is sin entered the picture. Now, it entered with Adam and Eve, but... Listen, we're all flawed with sin. We've all blown it. And uh, we, the Bible says that the wage of that sin is death. And so we have eternal separation from God. And eventually these earth suits are going to give out. And we're, we're going to spend uh, eternity with the Lord or eternity separated from God because of that. But we believe that God so loved us that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, And Jesus came as the perfect um, man, perfect Savior, never sinned. But yet mankind took Him and they nailed Him to a cruel cross. And through what He did on the cross, He was able to take all the sins of mankind and be able to bridge fallen man to perfect God. But it's up to man to take the faith step whether we're going to receive that or not. And so... What God is doing is He wishes that no man perish, but all men come to repentance, to come to change, to follow after Him. And maybe you're there today. You're saying, I've never made that step of faith. I've never come to the point of asking Jesus into my life so that I may follow after Him. Because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him, uh, commits themselves to Him, would not perish but have everlasting life. And that's what we believe. And that's why we celebrate what we do. So today maybe is your day. And so maybe your prayer needs to be something like this. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner. And I know that you gave your life on a cross for me. And today, by faith, I want to give my life to you. 
Lord, I ask You to forgive me. I ask You to come and make me new. And then, Lord, give me everything I need so that I can obediently follow You every day of my life. Thank You, Lord, for giving Your life for me. And I pray, Lord, uh, that I can serve You with the remainder of my days. In Jesus' name. If that was your prayer today, and it was a prayer of your heart more than your mouth, then welcome to the kingdom. We would love to hear about that. We would love to walk with you in next steps to help you in your growth with Jesus. My prayer is is that that was a special time for you with your family. And, uh, you know, we want you to know that uh, nothing is ceasing around here. We, you experienced a baptism today. Uh, we've got the Lord's Supper. These are elements that God has given us to remember what He has done for us. And, and that is my prayer, is that we will remember. But I want you to remember, you are not alone. I, I read a story of John Orderberg, the, the author and speaker, and, and he said that he had gone out surfing. And as he was out surfing uh, one morning out in California, he said, he said the only one on the beach was this big old muscle-bound guy that was over there doing some Tai Chi or something, and, and, and he kind of saw that. And, and so here he is uh, out there in the water, and he said all of a sudden this little kid comes up paddling right next to him on a surfboard. He barely heard him. He said it was so little of a kid, and the and, and, uh, little kid started talking to him. And, uh, and he asked him, he said, how long have you been surfing? And John said a number that had been surfing. And he said, just joking with the little boy, he said, how long have you been surfing? He said, seven years. How old are you, eight? And he said, okay, uh, you know, and just kind of looking at that. And, and he said, here's this little boy out in the surf, eight years old. He's out there in the middle of everything that's going on. And Orderberg's thinking in his head, well, he's surfed a lot, but that's just really weird for him to be out here. And uh, the kid just carrying on this conversation. And uh, he said, well, I'm going to go on out and surf. Uh, he said, this is so peaceful. The little boy said this. His name was Shane. And he said, uh, "He said I'm going to go on out. And uh, John's thinking, gosh, you're going on out. And, uh, said, and he started waving to the beach. And this big old muscle-bound guy looks back at and he waves at Shane. And Shane said, that's my dad. And uh, the reason Shane could be so comfortable out there is because his dad was so nearby. And I think it's important for us to realize our Heavenly Father is so nearby. And so that's what we want to experience today. And we, we want this isolation to go away because Heavenly Father, you are so close. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for speaking to our hearts. Lord, I pray for that one who is still yet to come to you by faith. Lord, I pray that today is the day and they will see that Jesus is the Savior of the world and they want to trust you with their full heart, Father. We're all, we're all broken with sin, Lord, but thank you that Jesus paid the sacrifice for us. So, Father, today, this morning, we say we love you and desire to walk close to you, especially during these days, Lord. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.